Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 251 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we got Elizabeth Reincourt, who normally is, sits in with our mountain bike coverage, uh, playing a special role and uh, taking Zach's seat for the this episode. Happy to have her fresh take on what's been going on in cyclocross this season. For the show, we are talking about the Super Prestige race at Zolder, and then the day before that, the World Cup race at Dendermonde. By by the time you hear this, many races have happened on top of that. For instance, just this morning, uh, uh, Azencross, Wout, and Lucinda also took those wins. So, you know, everything we say about those two and how great their season is going, just, just add a plus one to it, or possibly plus two by this time. Who knows? No sponsor for this week, but I do want to tell you to go to WideAnglePodium.com. Check out all of the other shows. Criterium Nation ramping up, getting ready for the season. So much going on in the crit world. Grodio, a couple new episodes on the way. Great interview with Adam Roberge up there as well. Slow Ride Podcast just keeps slow riding along, doing their thing. Nowhere Fast has had some great episodes up too. So subscribe to all of those shows if you want to become a member you can go in and individually support the shows that you want to help continue to produce the content they're producing also go check out this cx hairs bulletin cxhairs.substack.com all right it's episode 251 of cyclocross radio we got michael and elizabeth we're talking about dendermonda we're talking about zolder and we're doing that right now we are back in the media pit we're talking we, we got a lot to discuss here we got Dendermonde world cup we also have the zolder super prestige race but before we get to that michael how's it going Bill, in honor of our special guests here tonight, all I got all I got to say, it has been in my head all weekend, is Wout Van Art, do 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 do, Wout Van Art, do 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 do. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Hat tip to Elizabeth for that one. So, I guess, I guess it wouldn't have been a surprise anyway, because people would have been, you know reading it on the on the on the 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 show notes and then also uh um in in, i guess now i can add it in my intro we should probably discuss these things beforehand because i was gonna just say hey zach how's it going and i mean we can still do that we can still play it up so uh (laughs) no uh zach 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 couldn't be here he is um what should we make up for Zach? What's he doing? What's Zach doing now that he couldn't he couldn't make it? Ooh, he's partying with the Wisconsin Badgers volleyball team <laughs> who had a rousing national championship victory over my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers. Perfect. We'll go with that. And that voice, that's that's Elizabeth. Her middle name's not really G, but that's how it comes up on my uh phone, Reincourt. Uh best known in these circles for her mountain bike commentary and analysis but 
answering the bat phone and coming in for the cyclocross. So glad, glad to have you here, Elizabeth. I am glad, glad to be back in the media pit with my pals. It's I've missed you guys. And, you know, we've got a lot of good mountain bikers racing cyclocross and cyclocross has always been my one love anyway. So here I am. Awesome. So should we just jump right into it? We So we had Dendermonde, which uh, got a lot of flack last year because it came in as a new world cup new venue started by the sauce boss and was muddy and heavy and a slog and uh course wise i think a lot of people felt it was really boring and then you had the people who defended it and say well you need different kind of courses which i was like well so yeah you need boring ones too <laughs> and uh but <laughs> and, and and the the defense of it i think from the from the race organizers was they had this huge fly over that somehow was going to change everything but then it was too icy and or and windy or something else that was not safe to to be on the the flyover so they shut it down but this year it looked like they kind of they kind of tried to try to spruce it up a little bit you know they, they try to make some changes but i don't know still kind of boring course wise yeah the changes also seem gimmicky a little bit to me. I mean, the sand descent like was a very weird, very dumped in. Imagine putting that into a U.S. course, the kind of angry letters you would get uh, for putting in some very artificial sand feature. And I mean, we'll get back to that. But uh I did like how Brooke Watts did did chime in and and talk about you know the two hundred thousand or whatever you know uh, pounds or kilograms of of sand that was brought in, which is is funny that you say that because the one race that we know that did that was was Cross Vegas, so. right? And you know, and I think I don't remember that the rollers or the 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 largest worst pump track in the world was part of the course last year, but that was also terrible. I mean, it's nothing more awkward than watching somebody run a pump track section. And even like only a few people rode it. And those that did rode it so awkwardly that that didn't look any better than riding. So yeah, I mean, it was, I think overall there were things that were better because of the conditions than last year's course. I mean, this, that last year will stick out in my mind as like the time we watched the most agonizingly long 20 seconds of Katie Compton attempting to get her shoe unstuck. Um, but that uh, the, the additional features this year, while there were maybe two or three turns that were pretty great, didn't necessarily raise it to the level, especially if we talk in my mind about this as a weekend package where Zolder is somehow not a World Cup anymore, despite in my heart always being something that should be. Right. I mean, I think it's sort of it's once again, we had that weekend where we had the two different different courses and which I like to see the the variety and, and the type of racing we get. Um, yeah. And Zolder was a World Cup last year. Um, so I don't, I guess, I don't know. Is, is that a, do you have to pay to be in the world cup? So it's, it's less to be in the super prestige. I'm assuming Zolder said they couldn't do the, the payout was higher, I assume. So again, that's kind of interesting. And you know, where, you know, 
also Super Siege is the oldest series in Belgium. So it kind of is like, is it a step down really when you have 16 World Cups? Like, like, I mean, that's sort of the thing is like, we have so many World Cups now that you're going to get courses like Dendermonda and it's just like, yeah, it's a World Cup. But yeah, it's just a floody field, a flooded field. And that was always Sven's thing where he would sometimes over a season concentrate on winning the super prestige versus winning the world cup, you know, and, and, and would kind of, yeah, exactly. There's start money. There's everything else going into it that that's a more, that can be a more alluring decision. I mean, it's yeah, the, the, the whole weight of it's different now because there's so many world cups and they're trying to dominate. And you know, it's, it's the, we could probably spend an hour talking about, uh, a, a, governing body being a race organizer and if that's fair and i know we've done that in the past but it's it's definitely taken over but i yeah i kind of like that it wasn't a world cup that it's a super prestige race uh yeah so we got the course um i i I was i was i was thinking uh, for for whatever reason i was thinking about this i think when i was watching it i was like well how do you compare this and there's that old saying about putting lipstick on a pig and then i just in my head i started going down this long um uh, tangent about how pigs look better without lipstick on, and if that's like <laughs> actually going, making it going. better. <laughs> so you like last year's version, but you like the running race more than the half run, half I, ride race. I don't. I'm not a fan of either of uh, of them. You know, and especially, I mean, you know, when we get to the to the men's race, it's you know, it wasn't. It it was it's kind of, it was a carbon copy of last year. You can put all the different stuff you wanted and, and, and wow, it is literally running away from everybody else out there. You know, it's, he, he kind of, he kind of owns that race, but let's, uh, Elizabeth, let's, let's actually start with the women's race. Cause that was, that was the more appealing one of the two. It was, uh, so it's, I, I think we're, at, um, as always, at the beginning of the Karis Periota at an interesting point in the season where uh, people who came in hot to the season or had a strong start to the season are maybe uh, feeling a little tired or taking a back burner and some new f- new faces arrive. The women's fields are huge, um, especially... A little bit even more when we get to Zolder, where the junior women are mixed in as well. And you have something like 111, 115 starters for the women. Um, and I I think in my mind, the story of the moment for the women is the, the continued strength of the youths. Uh, the U23, uh, the the dynamic trio of Femme, Puck, and Sheeran. Um None of which had like breakout performances at Dendermonda, but are riding in this like really strong and consistent way. Uh, I am, you know, I think have my my question remains like, can anybody actually stop Lucinda and will her fire burn out at any point in time? Because right now it doesn't look like it. Uh, Even though she didn't have a great start. She had a pretty tough first lap, lap and a half, two laps almost. Um, she's she's looking pretty fire. Uh, and Batsma is maybe not looking as fire, like still looking strong, but maybe not as fiery. Um, 
So I don't know. I think, you know, we had a like a really, really fast start. This is both men and women had like off like a shot in the starting straight. And um, and I think like it it shook out. It took longer to shake out a, a real front group than it usually does for the women. Uh, and it changed more than usual. So it was kind of I was just watching the first lap again before we started recording because I, I I hadn't actually remembered how far back Lucinda was for a while um, before working her way to the front. Yeah, so Michael, uh, Elizabeth brings up our our, our younger set here and in, in this race. So Sheeran fifth, Puck sixth, and then uh, Femme down in eleventh place. But I think that this this is almost this is almost like the the Liam Neeson race where it it takes a a special set of skills to, to be able to do this. And it's, it seems like strength and my, I don't know what your take is. My take is like, it's just that they don't, they don't, they don't have that, those Watts yet. They're just not those power horses that, that, that some of these other riders may be. I mean, it's interesting because yeah, looking at Femme's result, I was sort of rewatching it too. And I was like, she had a great start. Um, but then yeah, she, she drifts back then in Zolder, I mean, she's there with Brand till the end. So you could say, okay, well, Zolder's faster, drier. Maybe you can save a little energy in the draft. You, it's it's not as it's not as heavy as track. But I mean, I, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I kind of agree with you on that one, Bill. And I think that you know, Sheeran uh, had a really good race in both races. So she's kind of got those those heavy watts, got those lions. Uh, she's I think she's also a good runner. I think it's sort of this this race really break down into did can you run and we saw that last year and I was you know just kind of clicking through this race to see like how did Brand get her her gaps and really it was just the running she's just you know it's it's she's she's my favorite wing song you know Brand on the run um, you know and uh, I was trying to think of a, a better pun uh, earlier tonight and working in wings but whatever. Um, but yeah, she just runs so well. Isn't Fem isn't Fem Van Empel a soccer player? Yes, she is. She Haven't we learned player. that? I mean, I I kind of <laughs> think Fem had an uh, maybe an off day or was peaking for Zolder. I think that's always like also something in my mind is like if you're riding riding back to back and you're just thinking like where am I going to focus my energies? Um I think there's some of that in play there too cuz yeah, Fem is a, a great runner. Um, so Elizabeth, you, you, you jumped in here talking about the start. So that, that sets you up to, to take the brunt of talking about Clara Hansinger. So, okay. (laughs) I honestly don't think she had a bad start. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of this narrative. I gotta say, like, I'm really tired of it. Like it is, it's really played out. If you watch her start in u.s races like you watch her start at nationals like i'm sorry she's not a bad starter like there are just a lot of very good starters in europe and also i think she's smart and she knows that that's not her strength to burn way deep into the red right at the beginning because she frankly doesn't have to to finish on the podium and if like that's gonna set you back why do it? Like, why put yourself in that position if you know it's not going to work out for you? But like, she, I, I, I don't know. Like, 
Yes, there are races where she might have a bad start. This was not one of them, nor do I think it is the case in most races. Yeah, and it's nice and wide, so she could just she wasn't like getting bogged down yeah. behind anybody. Did you did you see the uh the, the Velofax, the animation of lap times? Yeah. Incredible. Just so much fun. I, I don't know. It's fun watching bar graphs, I guess. I, I enjoyed it. I was mesmerized by it. It is but totally you can mesmerizing, see, yes. <laughs> but and if you see the other stuff that they put out, you can see like Clara was getting faster during the race. So I think one of the things that has benefited her immensely is that we're actually getting real race times for the women now, you know, a 50 minute race gives her the opportunity to have that extra lap that she needs. I mean, for this race, you know, I mean, she probably could have used even another lap and, and that was an interesting part too. And, and, and something that I want to get y'all's thoughts on is that you see Lucinda look back almost with sort of this annoyed look on her face that, that Clara is there and even in her, you know, when she's answering the questions in English after the race, she's like, well, I still, I still had something, left. you know, <laughs> I had something in the tank and it, it's sort of almost defensively saying, Hey, it's still my race, which I thought was a huge compliment to Clara that Lucinda had to, you know, clarify that, that she, you know, it still would have been okay, even if another lap. But the, the thing that I just find interesting is that everybody's kind of taking their shots at Lucinda. You know, it seems like it's a different person who's right there every race, or even, you know, we haven't even talked about the other, the other power house in this race, Mariana Voss, who did beat her in a, a similar type race just a week ago. But it's like, I, I keep getting nervous on her behalf. I'm sure she's not nervous with worlds coming up. It's like, everybody keeps like, everybody's just kind of feeling her out and trying to like, can she keep it going? Can she keep it going as we, as we continue on for, for a couple more weeks. It's like sharks nibbling at, at the testing yeah. the hull of a boat of Lucinda Brand's uh, ship. You know, I forgot. This is one thing I wanted to talk about tonight was that the, I'm feeling like the women's season so far is, I can't think of the show to work for this metaphor, but it's like uh, some sort of procedural uh, show where you have Lucinda Brand is the main character. She's obviously, she's the good, she's a protagonist. Then you have Denise Betsema. She's a secondary character. She's always there every week. We call her the antagonist. And then every week we have a guest star who comes in and tries to get the other podium position. Um, And so if that's Femme Van Empel, if that's Clara Hansinger... um, you know, uh, Puck Peterson, you always have these other writers, but really this has been the Lucinda brand and Betsima show. I mean, just, if you look at the results, we talk about the OPP, the WAP, uh, you know, Lucinda, Lucinda, Lucinda's wide angle podium percentage is a hundred percent for the year. Um, her OPP is 85. So like there, and, and, and Betsima is right there too. I think she just had, she just fell out of the, um, was it Zolder that Betsima? Yeah, Betsema went down to fifth at Zolder. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that was sort of what I was trying to, what I was thinking a lot about. This really has been their season. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, Elizabeth, if Betsema can continue her fitness and if Brand can, you know, another, what, four weeks, five weeks to Worlds. I think she can. Yeah, I, I, Brand looks like she looks so comfortable. Um, 
And I think like even even with the look back over the shoulder, the checking like, oh, 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 she's here. Oh, she skipped that pit. She's actually uh, right, right here. But I'm good. I'm good. Like still got it. And and I, I you know, I do feel like it might have been a great last bonus lap had they gone on for one more lap. But I think Lucinda probably could have closed the deal. I do do think she had some additional uh, afterburners left that she hadn't used yet. Um, because she just looks, I mean, just like her form on the bike, like she looks so strong, so smooth, so confident. Um, and even when she was like back in the field, she doesn't look like she's getting flustered, which I think she used to. Uh, I think her form and her skills have come a long way in the last couple of years as she's really become, you know, a proper crosser from her from her roadie days. Um, but with that road fitness to back it up, um, which I think it'll be interesting to watch Sharon Van Andre over the next few years as someone sort of training in her shadow, doing the same road program with Trek Segafredo and and training with her and with Sven Nice as well. Yeah, and I think that that really came into play, and it's something I want to talk about when we when we discuss Zolder. But to to follow up on on your point, Michael, I'm going succession. Adrian Brody is uh, can Clara Clara's Adrian Brody, and then Scar's guard is Denise Betsima for season three of Succession. Those are your those are your guest stars that are coming in there trying to take take over. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, the the other thing that um, Elizabeth brought up, which is is worth worth mentioning, was was that pit. You know, the, was the pit exchange. It was really that pit two for Denerman was a huge penalty if you changed bikes there, and it seemed like it was a situation that. Things weren't getting super gunked up that they had to necessarily switch every lap. So Clara skips that lap and picks up a good five, six seconds. I mean, she, yeah, at least, you know, she had it double digits and had it down to four seconds in the end. So, Michael, was this was this a hubris move by Lucinda Brand? Was this a let me get a clean bike for the finish that almost cost her the race? Yes, completely. Completely going to get the clean bike. I, I believe it. Um, but I'll go back to Elizabeth's point. I don't. I, I don't think she was worried too much. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think, but she was surprised. The look back was like, oh shit. Okay. Uh, she. <laughs> this is someone I need to worry about. Um, on a course like this. Yeah. I mean, she look. She's Sven's the boss. You got to get the clean bike. You got to get that podium boon. Well, they just, you know, they they just they just announced they're there for three more years. So we got to make sure that these bikes are clean at the at the finish track. All right, should we move on over to the men or anything else? Anything else we want to say about about the 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 women's race? Let's talk about our man Wout. I don't even know what to what to say. Well, I mean, I guess the the news in this race, you know, Vanderpool there, Vanderpool hanging with Wout for a while, but eventually Wout just ran away from him. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it wasn't even, I, 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 I'm getting this. I'm, I'm getting that the, the time in which Van Wout left. Well, I guess it wasn't. Yeah. Left. Was it Vanderpool and tone and Zolder too, that he left or was it tone and somebody else? 
Oh, it was Tone and Quentin, I think. Mm-hmm. In, in Zoltar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I I don't I don't have much to say about this one. I I I honestly was like half watching it. It, it just same. It, it it's great. It's great to see Wild out there. It was. It was you could definitely tell that Vanderpool was having issues. You know, I, ma- I made the comment that every every Masters racer watching that, you know, definitely was feeling for for Vanderpool that every time he got onto the tarmac, he was sitting up and stretching out his back. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I, you and me, Vanderpool, this is the only time that I've ever felt what you're feeling. So but- yeah, I think like. I mean, granted, of course, like watching at the very start was very excited to see what was going to happen. How's he going to come back? And his start sprint was bonkers. He passes that field like they're at like training camp and doing the drill (laughs) where you have to attack from the back of the pack and like attack the rest of your team. Like they look like they're standing still with the speed he comes in and then has to like (laughs) He has to really put like toes up, heels down to dig in to slow down enough to make the turn into the whole shot. Like that was nuts. Um, and it had the nice side with sort of the, the Champs-Élysées side camera. So you caught yeah, it all. yeah, long yeah. tracking shot is beautiful. So, you know, that was exciting. And the other thing I think is that was the bigger takeaway for me from this race is Tone shows up when Vanderpool and Vout are back. He shows up in a totally different way than he does in other races. And I think it's, you know, we were talking about this in in my household, is that, like, his racing style is well adapted and maybe naturally more like theirs than like an Ellie Ezerbeet or a Hmm. Quentin Hermans or somebody like that. And he can't turn it on the same way when they're not there because, like, the game is different. And so sometimes he can't. Like, occasionally he has that breakout ride where he kind of leaves the field. But seeing what he can do when he's trying to play with Val and Mathieu is it's it's a different it's a different tone Ertz, and I love it. It looks like he's having a better time. Like, not only is he having a better race like flat out, but he looks like he's more comfortable and his style and composure around everything is elevated in a different way. And, and I, I think it's, it's cool to see, like, it just seems like he's like, Oh, the boys back town. I'm going to do this thing with them now instead of like, I mean, not to be a, you know, talk about just about height, but it seems like he's like, Oh, he's, here's my tall boys. And we're going <laughs> to do our tall boy thing. <laughs> Instead of, like, these little guys who race really differently, and I'm just, like, in with the little guys. But that's uh, that's but that's but a huge, I mean, that just can't be ignored, especially for this race. But before I get to that, I think I think you're absolutely right. And we even, it's even validation for him. We saw, I think it was the beginning of last season, where he's got, like, pen and paper out, and he's going through how many times he's been on the podium with Wout and with Machu. He's not doing that with Ezer Beat. Like, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the same respect that he has for, for those competitors, but, but talking about the little guys, I mean, this definitely, you know, horses for courses, this, this was one for the, as we said with the women's race, same thing, but here it's, you know, not just maybe they're young and we'll get those Watts as they grow. It's just some of these guys, these, I think they know it going in. These courses just aren't meant for them. I think Pitcock 
dropped out of this race last year. He was just like, not even worth it. Now I'm not finishing, but you had this, this kind of like a, a flyweight race going on. <laughs> super, super welterweight, whatever. I, Tim's going to get mad at me. He's going to tell me exactly what weight class I'm supposed <laughs> to be uh, talking about. Uh, but with uh, Pidcock, Ezerbeat, and Vanderhaar all kind of fighting it out there <laughs> after the taller guys, exactly what you say. I mean, you got Vandernout uh, in fourth place, Quentin in fifth, Cornet in sixth, and then and Swick in seventh. But then then guys that you expect to see up there at the front, Pidcock, Ezerbeat, and Vanderhaar all fighting it out for the rest of the top ten, which I, I just think... It's truly, it's, it's, it's kind of neat. And it sort of goes with what you're saying, Michael, that you want to see these different kind of courses, even if maybe they aren't as technically exciting, because it just, it just showcases these, these different skills and just advantages that these other riders have. Yeah. It's interesting, Elizabeth, you bring that up because I had a hypothesis before this weekend or after Saturday and, and it kind of got tested. I think maybe I'm wrong. I don't know on Sunday, but I, the, the Ellie fade where that he, he really seems to just kind of disappear once I said, he said he's like a, he's like a flower that shrinks in the, in the harsh sun of the stars, you know, of, of wow. And, and Vanderpool and, 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 and I sort of don't know if Pitters actually needs to be up there yet, but Pitters too. And so uh, on Sunday, he kind of showed me that maybe that's not true. But when you talk about Tone, I feel like that Tone is that writer who does come up and who can be with Wow and, and Vanderpool, at least chase them down. And, and now you've provided me with a reason why. So thank you. I like well, that. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just happy he's got some tall friends. <laughs> as, as, as a tall, you know, I, I, I like it when my tall, fr- my tall friends have tall friends. It's, 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 it's nice to not feel so awkward with your lightweight little buds. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think the the only other like thing like sort of notable feature on this course where it was like a distinct advantage, even that was a difference where I usually don't feel like I see much in the way of technical differences between like Val and Mathieu, but that very awkward sand pit descent, pedaling down it was the only way to be fast down it. It was, and not a lot of people did it, but Vout did, and... Every, like, most other riders, not everybody, but most other riders were, like, sort of awkwardly shimmying down it with a foot out and losing a ton of right. time. Um, and so that was kind of, I think, uh, a, a, a notable difference, too, than, than what we usually see with sand descents or things like that. So that was, like, really... Yeah, it was. It was. They were. It was just super awkward. <laughs> it was just super awkward. And there, like, there was another turn too, where, well, Sana Kant crashed. Like she was looking like she was actually kind of having a nice time, um, and kind of in back in her old form, and then had an awkward crash where there's a transition onto pavement, and it was the same thing. It was like very awkward at one point for, for Mathieu as well. All right, before we leave, Dendermonda. Uh would be remiss not to point out Jeremy Powers two shows again uh, picking Cameron Mason as a potential you know as his pick for world championships Cam Mason 
shows up in this race, wins the U23 race, which is pretty, pretty huge. That's a, that's a big win, taking it over uh, Pim Ronhar. And then also, just worth mentioning again, Zoe Backstead is unstoppable. And just just one to, one to watch. And, and British Cycling doing okay right now across the board. Doing great. And Evie's coming back. Right. Yeah. And Hattie's coming back. So they're, they're like gearing up for this. Yeah, one to watch, and we saw her uh, the next day and Sunday in Zolder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, speaking of Zolder, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Femme Van Empel. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the women. I'm so stoked on this. I'm a I, I've turned into a real Femme Van Empel fan. Um, I think the to to spoiler it before we even get going, uh, Lucinda Brand's Instagram post after the race said that she was like trying to trying to shake Van Fem Van Empel all day, and now Grandma needs a nap. Huh. Uh, so <laughs> it's like <laughs> so perfect, Lucinda calling herself Grandma. Um, but yeah, I, I I I love it. I mean, seeing her at Zolder, seeing her at. Uh, Snowcross in Italy. Uh she's she's got something. I mean, you know, she's she's the U23 world champ. And I always like this is one of many instances where I get super bummed that our U23 women world champions don't get to wear their rainbows all year because they're grouped in with the elite women and we don't get to enjoy like I, I, I feel so strongly that we should have, have an alternate rainbow for them if they're going to be grouped together. <laughs> so why is it that being attacked by cats? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, so why why is it that we can have a separate World Cup leader right. in right in the race, but we can't have? a rainbow it just it makes along with everything else it makes no sense along with the the the, for this race no world cup leader in this race because it's older yeah what michael oh maybe is it because lucinda brand is not wearing her world cup leaders jersey because she's a world champion therefore puck can wear her world cup leader is that why nope oh she's u23 no yeah no separate category no i know but is that is that why i'm like why no, you can't have the, the world the world cup the world cup leader jerseys are different slightly different for the U23 and mm. the elite and there was a point where Lucinda was not in the jersey so was Bet- Betsmo was in the jersey briefly I think it was Bets yeah, yeah. I think that might have been it yeah. yeah at the beginning of the season uh, yeah um, when when Lucinda was right when they're doing both awful in it. Yeah. Beginning of the season and only getting like second place right yeah. uh so yeah, but my, the, the bigger issue is like they don't have to solve that issue. What they have to do is not have 117 women in the field because there needs to be a, a separate U23 race and there yeah. has to be a mandatory separate a junior women's It's just, I, I, it's, I think next year, junior women may be mandatory, but still not the U23. I may have that completely wrong, but it seems like it's still going to be a while and then and then it's all up to the races if they even want to have u23 races to start with men or women and then it's it's just i feel like if you are a race that's going to have a u23 men's race you have to have a u23 women's race these either both or none because that's just kind of ridiculous but 
yeah, it's 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 stupid. It's 117 in a in a field. It's just absolutely wrong. They need to they need to split those up. Yeah, it's uh, well, and I think I mean, you know, I think this is kind of actually going back to where we started, where it's sort of this is, you know, the, the youths are shining. Uh, I have wondered sometimes, like, what would the women's and this is this is not the first year that this has happened, but what would the women's elite field look like without the U23 superstars? Right. And, you know, so you kind of wait for worlds or for European championships or things like that to see how that shakes out. Um, But we don't get a lot of opportunities where, you know, we're just playing sort of this guessing game of like, whoa, what happened? I mean, this was definitely the case when Celine was in the U23s still and was winning races. And I think you have you have that same kind of feeling this year where you have so many of those top 10 contenders are U23s. So, like, what is that going to look like when we get to get to Worlds and they're not in that field anymore? Yeah, but I think it's also, you know, the flip side of that, it's it's, it's awesome to see where they don't have to worry about Lucinda. You know, they don't have to worry about Betsma out there, and then they can just concentrate on racing each other, which is kind of what we want you know right. in, these, in these other categories before they get even if they are faster even if they are better you know even even when you know the couple days that wout and vanderpool were racing as juniors before they just skipped everything and became elites you know it was it was fun because they didn't have to worry about sven or neil zalbert or anybody like that they just could race against each other so i think i think it'd be super cool to see even if they were putting in faster lap times. I mean, Zoe Backstead, going back to her, she had the fastest lap time at Dendermonda. So it's like, hmm. you know, <laughs> there's always going to be these kids out there <laughs> who are just going to, are just going to crush, crush everyone. But here, here's to, to stop my rambling. I'm going to ask you this, Michael. So Elizabeth was talking about Lucinda Brand and being the road racer. You would think that the road tactic would be to let Femme do some of the work. But as Elizabeth was saying, she just was trying to drop her the whole time and knew she was strong enough to do it. So the tactic really was, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to drive the whole time. I'm not a cycling coach here or a tactician, but I would say that Denise Betsema's decision to employ that same tactic may have been a mistake. Because she would not get off the front. She was like in that chase group, three, four, five, six, and just deriving the whole time. And I was just like, I was like, just go, just, just shake the elbow, get off the front. You can't, you can't do this. You're the road guy. Bad tactics by Betsema. I think, I think it sort of, it depends. Yeah. And Zolder, I think being at the front all the time. You know, you're at the front. You get to choose your lines. Um, if if Betsima thinks that she's stronger than everybody behind her, or that they're going to jam up in a corner, sure. I, I think maybe sometimes you know, Zolder's super prestige. She's trying to chase Lucinda. Maybe she's going for maybe she's going for points. Maybe she has to go all in, and no one else is going to chase. I don't. I don't. I don't quite remember that that her chase, but yeah. I mean, I think that. Betsima sort of is that rider who just kind of is good enough at everything, right? And just doesn't really have that one, one like you know blade in the switch or the the pocket knife that does the thing really well. And so I think that she's just going to 
drive it you know she's kind of like the time trial it's the guy in the group ride who just fucking goes hard the entire time and is really strong but never can quite seal the deal i, I don't know yeah that's how i see her fitting in I, I I think Anne Marie and Sharon just worked her. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I think uh, like Anne uh, Anne Marie was the su- sort of the surprise uh, podium for me on this one. Yeah, um, I mean I'm a, a, also a big fan of hers, and so it's like great to see her have a successful race. But this is not not a course that I would have necessarily picked for her to have a podium, and it was even even at the end when it was happening was kind of like, Oh, Oh, you did it. Look at that. Like, great. Uh, well, also, also with coming in with Sheeran on, you know, they're coming in together at the end and you were talking about, this is another loose in the brand. This is somebody who's being, you know, who's expected to race on the road and also race cross. And you're thinking, well, with those skills, she's going to be able to pull around and out sprinter at the end. But, no, no dice. Mountain biker taking her. I mean, I think Sheeran, Sheeran was like chasing hard though. Like that, that whole race. Like I thought Sheeran had a fabulous weekend. I remember watching Zolder and I'm like, look at like Sharon. Sheeran is just like driving so hard all race long. She dangled so hard for a while, but then like finally caught on. So yeah, I think, you know, Bill, you made a comment about all these U23 riders and we poo-pooed you, but you were spot on. They, they're, each one has sort of like slowly had their, their sort of November to December moments to resen- uh, remember. Um, but yeah, I, I loved watching Sheeran just, just, just go ham out there. It was great. Yeah. She closed gaps super well, like just really did not, did not give up on trying to close a gap. And like especially early on in the race, like just using the course to her advantage as well. Like using so, Zolder is uh, one of the courses that I've been to in person, and like this is one of those instances where the camera does no justice to how steep some of the stuff is. And there's like, you know, in particular the stations of the cross section, which the way that the camera is set up, it looks like they're going even looks like it's flat or they're even going downhill. It's not, it's like a super long slog of a climb. Um, And then like a lot of sections that are much steeper descents than they look. And I thought Sheeran was doing a great job of using some of those smaller descents to sort of boomerang herself back on when there had been a little gap. So she might get gapped off on a climb, but then know like, okay, three more pedal strokes at the top that are going to hurt like hell to zoom me down and snap back onto the back of the group. Um, And I, I thought that was, it was really impressive to watch and to see like the group was, that pack was really dynamic for a while. There was a lot of, lot of, Zolder just has that, sort of road race ish feeling or short track race ish feeling where the pack racing happens more. And it was, it was was really dynamic and it was cool to see her end up shaking out. Like I did not think early on in the race that she would necessarily end up shaking out at the top of that group because she was having to work so hard to stay with it. And so to see her end up in fourth was pretty remarkable. So you're talking about the road race feel of Zolder. And we always talk about the sort of the iconic features of that course. We haven't really talked about the track that much. 
uphill off camber on the grandstand, even less impressive than the past. Just, just yeah. nothing. Like just non-factor. Not I think it might have been Van Anroy. It was definitely Pidcock were the only two that I saw who actually went to the top. all the way up at the turn. And it just it didn't yeah. it didn't matter it didn't either do way. Anything. No. The you know, the the full on grass coming up that, that first turn, so it wasn't slick, it wasn't muddy, nobody getting their shoes stuck in, in uh wheels or anything like that. So that that one we kinda saw the last time they they were at Zolder again, it was kind of overgrown, sort of easy. The thing that surprised me, it looked like they completely negated the Lars Vanderhaar off camber that that comes after. So you get to the top, you go, you ride on the asphalt behind the grandstand, and then there's that swooping off camber left hand turn where Lars made that insane pass, I think, uh, uh, getting in front of Sven, like, years ago. Just nuts. Just, like, the worst decision ever. That's <laughs> one of the greatest highlights. You know, it didn't matter in the end, but it was just, like, amazing to see. That's, like, a nothing of a, a drop now. Doesn't it look like it got yeah, regraded or something? It does. It did not look, because that was the one that I think was, to me, most remarkable in person, was, like, holy shit. How do you convince yourself to go down that? Like, that is terrifying. And, uh, yeah, I remember actually like the, the, the there was it, the inflatables, um, the, yes. the inflatable barriers were down at the bottom and just before the race started, got unplugged and deflated. And <laughs> it was like total panic as people are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we got to get this like inflated because people are about to careen into this. And like it was the moment that I registered, like the panic of the people there was like, oh, my God. Wow. Um, and yeah, that wasn't, they didn't have the inflatables there at all. And that, like that to me is the sign that's like, yeah, no, this is, this has actually really been tamed. Um, and just was sort of a non-factor and it, it, it looks like, I think it must've been, and, and that's a, it's a very steep, I mean, it's reminiscent of the Hartford Nationals levy. Um, if you went like off camber, sort of more straight down it. Um, and yeah, and then. Yeah, and then the, the, I guess the one improvement I, I guess they did this last time as well was getting rid of the fly the finish stretch flyover so the long flyover before the finishing stretch which used to just negate any sprint you know it was, it was no spectators no flyovers downer. yeah good point they didn't have to do any crowd control for yeah. that I, I liked I liked the the coming off come just giving a lot more runway and the straight off of the grass onto the onto the sprint and you know, when we talk about the men's race, it, it played out really nicely a little a little further down the down the line for the podium. Should we do that? Move over to the to the men. Anything else uh, to talk about here with the uh, with the women? We didn't we didn't have to do it for the other race since uh, Clara, you know, got second. So the first first non Dutch was was an easy one. This this was actually uh, Blanca Vosch coming in sixth place. Um, Forty seven minutes down would be your your first first non Dutch for this race. Uh I think the one other note was there was a rider who in the first couple of laps, there was like a, ooh, I've never seen this kit before. Who is this? Uh, took a while to figure out, but it's the Czech rider who is yep. like an 18-year-old, Christina Zemanova. Uh, had a great race, one to watch, finishing ahead of Zoe Backstead. Yeah, I think she's done, she's had some other uh, decent races where she's up there. Yeah. When I was when I was putting together my my mock um, relay teams, 
I was saying she was adding a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of juice to that that check squad. If uh, you know if Katarina jumps in there with Boros and uh, Katarina and and uh, were you adding Steve? They, had, they may. Have, yeah, right. Bring back Steve-R. <laughs> hey, he's still around. He's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> still alive. <laughs> um, the one thing about the... Um, so just watching just the last of Zolder, that sort of last lap where, you know, you know, Brand and, and Femme Van Ampel go away for, at lap four or whatever, and they're riding together. And then it's really interesting, that last lap, at some point, Femme sort of like almost just checks up to stay behind brand right and so you think oh femme's gonna unleash a sprint but then brand just like rides away from her and then gets on the tarmac and sprints and femme just like sits in her saddle and i i was i was assuming that it just meant that femme was on her limit just staying with brand that race and but after the race she kind of like you know looked okay and was like "I, i don't know i wasn't sure exactly what was going on there I, I think you're right. I, I think that, you know, it's kind of what Elizabeth was saying before that she was work that brand sort of um, a little humbly was like, I was trying to get rid of her. But at the same time, I, I, I remember that exact same point. Like she rode up, she almost half wheeled her coming, coming up to the one of those um, off cameras going up. But then right after that, it was almost it was almost like an unintentional break check because right after that, I mean, you're absolutely right. Brand just kept putting a little more pressure on, a little more pressure on. It was like one bike length and then two bike lengths. And I think when it got to three bike lengths, Fem was just like, second place is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost wonder if like she psyched herself out a little bit and thought like, I don't know if I'm actually if, like – I don't know. Like it, it felt almost because it felt like I, watching it, like she's racing so smart. And I thought for sure, like, okay, she's sticking on this. She knows she needs to be second wheel. It is a long road straight before you get to the finish line. It's like, it's agonizing long. The foreshortening of the camera is real. Um, and I almost felt like, she psyched herself out and thought like, this is just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the roadie. Lucinda's the world tour roadie. I'm not. And maybe like even, you know, 15 seconds in that last descent hitting the, before hitting the little chicane where those bike legs opened up, where she got in her own head and like, like she didn't belong there or something, which is too bad because it looked like she did. And it didn't look like she was just out of gas and trying really hard and tired. Like it, it felt psychological to me. Yeah. So. Talk about not looking tired. I mean, the other thing that we've noticed so much without the fans there, Lucinda brand, just, I mean, from lap one just sounds like she is dying. Like yeah. around, she is working so hard and you can hear her just like gasping for air around every turn and femme is just back there almost like nose breathing just like chilling out on her wheel so yeah it was really interesting that's right that's that was the look that i saw okay she's ready to go i mean it's so interesting too because you know femme won val de soleil where mariana voss legend of all legends puts in that pass and she just kind of stands there and like waits for a second and then goes around and wins so it's interesting she's kind of in that situation before um, but yeah, I mean, man, femme, I, you know, Zach always says, Zach has pointed out that he thinks the curse of the U23 Jersey is over. And I think now it is a good luck charm. <laughs> I think you might be right. All right. Let's, uh, let's move over to the, to the, the second half of the, well, Bonart show. 
Um, I, <laughs> what could he say? <laughs> he didn't even. It was. It was even before. So there was at one point that tone crashed, and that gave him a really big gap. But it was before that, and I think it was. I, I think again in this race. Wow, ran away from them. I think those stairs, like running mm-hmm. after, we're talking about that off camber, and you go down, you come up those stairs. I think that he got a little gap there and just went from two seconds to 10 seconds. Like we, we didn't even see it. Like they, they went back to the chase group and we came back and like there was, there was nobody behind Wow. It was just, it was just over. It was like that quick. I think it was 15 minutes into the race. I don't think he expected to be off by himself that soon. He said as much, you know, he's, he, he noticed Vanderpool was back. Um, and I made a note here that like at lap two, wow, it's in the front and Vanderpool is in the second group and he's, and he's not at the front of that group and he's not driving it, which to me was like alarm bells, like old Vanderpool would be bridging that gap before the start finishes over and he's not. And I think, yeah. yeah wow. So, so it's, yeah. So it was Vanderpool's fault that we didn't see the move because you needed the hero shot. You know, we had a, <laughs> you had a, the camera drift had to go back to, to see where the hell Vanderpool was. That's a, I mean, it was a sad, sad day for the Alpacine Phoenix team. Uh, I think like, you know, to briefly go back to the women's race, it was a heartbreaking shot to watch Celine getting into her camper. It was like very cinematic. Like here's Celine opening her camper, walking in and closing the door. And then we have, very cinematic Vanderpool pulling off the course and exiting the race. Um, but how about Tim Merlier with a top 10? I mean, he was the, yeah, he was true, the, the, the remaining, the top of the remaining, uh, Alpeson Fenix, you know, you the beat Niels Vanderputta and he, uh, beat Yanni Vermeer. So Merlier still got, still got some cross in those legs. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a good, good day for, uh, for a roadie. Uh, <laughs> So let, I like how he's yeah. I like how he's totally made the jump. It's like yes. no one even remembers where, that he started as a cyclocross <laughs> racer. He's just like roadie. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about let's talk about the the battle for second because before we go on because I want to talk about Wout. I want to talk about what Wout's doing. But before we get there, um, I mean Wout runs away with it. He's gone. He's kind of doing his own thing. But there's a there's a battle going on for second, and this is sort of the the not proving my hypothesis that Ellie was up there, uh, and Ellie was Ellie was driving, and and Tim and Tom had had a pretty good race where they were both attacking each other on the same feature. One lap, Tom would attack, and then the next lap, Ellie would attack, and it was it was a pretty engaged in battle of the short guys. Elizabeth, um, they were going back and forth. I loved it, um, and then at the end, you know. Tom sort of it sets up just like the women's race where okay here we go. Tom is just sitting behind Ellie, like I think right. That's how he like he didn't even want to pass him, and he just absolutely well maybe he didn't absolutely roast him, but it really looked like that he had that sprint so easy. And I was just thinking, yeah, I mean he was the guy who went toe to toe with Wow at Amstel Gold, and they had to bring in like the finish line, finish line, finish line camera to decide who won. But uh, yeah, he, he kind of dusted Ellie pretty good there at the end. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, it was a great, great sprint finish, great last lap really between them. It was great throughout, but it wasn't kind of until the very end that, 
we were allowed to be fully into that because we were no longer cross-cutting with the Vout show. Um, and, and it was really, you know, it was quite exciting to see the, you know, the old British expression, the squeaky bum time where you're like, all right, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's, what's, what's going on here? Like, this is really toe to toe. Uh, and again, like, I think like that really the, the camera foreshortening makes that sprint finish more exciting because it looks much closer than it is until you get to the side shot where you're like, oh, actually, that was a pretty, pretty solid gap. Yeah, I, I, I think that that. Pidcock was just suppressing a smile that whole last <laughs> lap. Like he just, he just was sitting there. He was like, "Oh, I know exactly how this is ending," and I don't think he was even, even anywhere near his his limit when he came into that sprint and knew that that was going to be his without much. And and Ailey knew it as well. I mean, we got a good handlebar slam there as soon as the <laughs> pass was made. He pretty much knew knew it was done. So, but but to 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 keep your hypothesis alive, Michael. Is Pitcock part of that big three, or is he a pretender? I don't. I mean, is if if, if Ailey's like racing with him, is he like I, in the, the, he's not? He's not Wout. He's not Machu. I don't. You know. I think their personal beef history goes back far enough that yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he thinks of Pitcock that way as much. Um, and he's going to try and put it to him. Um, and also, once again, there's also like. Ellie is still playing the long game. There are serious points on the line. He's trying to get it's a little bit ahead of t- of tone. So yeah, um, yeah. I guess he did get beat by Pitcock though. So maybe my hypothesis. Does. But he and he beat Pitcock just like the week before. He did right. Yeah. So yeah. Oh no, Pitcock beat him in the barriers. At oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I got it backwards. Yeah, so Ellie's getting getting pipped by. <laughs> We'll just call him Pipcock. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, no, I think I, 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 I think there's a lot. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think Pipcock is an outstanding cyclocross racer, but I do think that it is uh, a bit of a stretch to have grouped him with Valmachia as early as he got grouped with them. Um. And and I think it's like I mean yeah the rivalry between him and Ezerbeat is that's like decade well, not decades old they're not that old <laughs> uh, years old seasons old uh, and and I think it's like there is you know I mean yeah he's also the Olympic mountain bike champion you know he's a phenomenal bike racer this takes nothing away from that but I don't think that the hype about him as a cyclocross racer matches his performance as a cyclocross racer. Not that he's not an outstanding cyclocross racer. It's just that he is not Vout Van Aert. Yeah. And he, he had that one, he, you know, he had that over ISO win last year that sort of put him on everybody's radar. And he, I think he came in at a, it was better circumstances. I, you know, we talked about it before. I don't think Wout was a hundred percent when he came back last year you know, still, still fighting injuries, not, not in the best shape. Vanderpool always kind of starts a little slower. So, so I think Pitcock was able to shine yet. Those two were still better than everybody else. And the only guy that could hang with them was Pitcock this, this year, the, 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 the wout factor has just like thrown all of that out the door because I think that, as I said, the last couple of weeks, we are seeing something we haven't seen in four or five years, which is a 
focused, perfectly healthy, perfectly rested, trained up Wout Van Aert, probably stronger, who's still only 27 years old, who's probably stronger than he's ever been as a cyclist. So it's just, it's, yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if he, if he doesn't make that call after Belgian nationals to go to world, I think he's just throwing away the chance to get a fourth jersey. I, cause I'm not sure who's going to stop him at this point, even if Vanderpool is there, which I don't think he's going to be. Yeah, Bill, I think I thought a lot about what you said this weekend that, yeah, this we really are seeing Wout come in just finally healthy, no stress. Just and, and we're seeing the road fitness build into that, too, and what that means, a healthy Wout, two you know, seasons of World Tour or maybe three, but um, two Tour de France's and then being completely healthy, being strong. He's won five races in a row. Um has he done that before? Yes, actually he did. He won his first five races in the 2015-2016 series. That's the the year he won the Rainbow in Zolder when Vanderpool stepped into his wheel and then sort of Vander quit. Um, he also had another five-win streak that season. Um, so, Wow is really like... He's come back around, you know? We sort of... I feel like he's, he's come back around to that cyclocross um, just megalith that we've known before you know he's i know vanderpool has hit 100 victories and cross i don't know when that was but it was fairly recently uh wout's at 93 victories in cyclocross so he's just he's doing it like i just i just yeah he he has to go to worlds because i want to go and i want to see him and i think he's going to win another rainbow yeah it's it's funny i feel like the his injury at the tour was a blessing in disguise for his overall trajectory and his ability to train and focus and recover from that. And I think like just all of the things we know about him, like he's a disciplined guy and takes things very seriously. And I think that he focused on, getting well and better from that in ways that have paid dividends this year um, and this season that they didn't necessarily like I think there was evidence of it last year there's definitely evidence of it in the tour this year but this cross season too like he was doing gym time that he probably never did before because like I don't know kids don't do gym time (laughs) They don't have to, but this, like, he's got an injury, he does PT, he does gym time, like, he's got strength in ways that he didn't before, and it's really showing, and he looks better on the bike, like, he is technically a better rider than he was a couple of years ago, which is awesome to see like he was always good but like that the difference between between him and Vanderpool Vanderpool always had more finesse like Vout had the strength and power and was very controlled but did not have necessarily like like sort of playful finesse letting the back end sort of flick around a turn and Vout's got that now in a way that he didn't used to and I it's yeah I mean it's beautiful to watch like he's but I think I there's so there's another piece here that Val and and Ellie are both taking up the um, banner of the Belgian Federation uh, complaining about the COVID restrictions in Belgium. 
and the lack of crowds. Um, and that, I don't want to let this by without talking about that because it's pretty uncomfortable. Um, the way that they're coming and speaking out about like, don't get why the government is doing this. This is stupid. And they're really like holding the torch for the Belgian Federation who apparently came out pretty strong against it. It seems, yeah. Well, talking to some folks who are over there now, it seems that Belgium as a country seems to be over it except for the government. So I think that there's a lot, I think you're right. There's a lot of pressure for them to, advocate for having crowds back which i and i I, to be perfectly honest i'm i'm heading over there on sunday we'll be there for three races it's when photographing a race it's always great when people are there you know it's it's always uh, it's funny i don't know if you have this when you're filming michael but people will be like oh i'm sorry am i in your shot and my 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 stock answer is always god forbid there be some a person a spectator in a in a shot at a bike race you know <laughs> but uh um i i'm i i don't want to be around that many people <laughs> when i'm there <laughs> doing doing that doing that work so it it sucks but i i'm not too sad that that it's not there We'll just have to wait for Arkansas when all those people will be there. So that's it. Belgians, you want to come do you want to come party at a race? <laughs> you got your opportunity in Arkansas. Arkansas is open. <laughs> um to go back to actually what you said, Elizabeth, because I think this kind of plays into what we're seeing with Vanderpool, is that you talked about wow, he had that big injury, something you can't just try and rush it. Like you really had to take the time. Vanderpool, you know, quits uh, Zolder, and we learn that he's got herniated discs um, in his back. And, you know, like, I think that injury that happened in the Olympics was a lot worse than he led on to, or maybe he even knew. And it doesn't, I'm a little bit worried that this is, he's going down a dark road right now. And unless he, like, completely ices himself. And I think he said that, but like really, really just is like checks out like I'm done until I'm healthy. Like it is not going to it's going to we might not see him at his peak again. Yeah, I'm worried about that. Uh, yeah. It, it, the other thing is that with Vanderpool and I think with his camp, you never really know what's going on. But w- what it says to me is they need some new doctors because this is the second time now in his career that he's finally like, well, we have some peace of mind because we finally, we now know what's going on, which is exactly what happened with his knee injuries that he was trying to race through four or five years ago. And you know, he'd race and then he'd have to quit again. Those knee injuries still come up, but finally they were like, okay, we're shutting it down because we finally know what's going on. I'm like, come on guys, especially like with the herniated discs, and it's been since the Olympics. I think again, you need you need better doctors because that's that's something that maybe maybe could have been discovered, or maybe it's something that, and I get it from their standpoint as well. Maybe they didn't want to know. You know, maybe maybe they were just going to try to do the do the old school and just play through it, throw some dirt on it, and go. And that <laughs> I don't think that's working out. And I don't want to see you know 
Tiger Woods was the only good analogy. And I know that's a, that just opens up for a lot of other discussion points down here that I don't want to, we don't that baggage. I don't think we want to put on to Vanderpool, but the same sort of thing, you know, with the back injuries and then just never seeing, seeing him at his height again. So yeah, I think, I think you're spot on Michael. I think it's, it's something to definitely fear that we may see in that same trajectory. One of the greatest cycling talents of all time sort of cut short. Hope not. Yeah, I think in, and the, it's you know comes back to that contrast between him and his arch rival and Vanderpool wants to go play where Vout has the discipline to keep training and I think it's would I I don't envy the person who tries to keep Vanderpool off the bike. Yeah, and it's exactly what you were saying, Elizabeth, where you're saying Wout is now doing it, where we miss that from Vanderpool. He's not, he he has zero flair on the bike, and I think it's just because he's in pain the whole time when he's yeah. riding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could see it, man. I mean, you know, like he, he raced, he, I think he did seven laps, but he couldn't, he wasn't in the chase group. He was like, he just sort of was riding at that point, and you, you know, the commentators mentioned that maybe he's just trying to get a race in his legs, and it's probably, I can imagine him just sort of like mentally trying to figure out, okay, like, do I stop? Like, can I ride through this, or is this actually, you know, do I need to stop? And then it was, you know, he made the decision, so. Because we've seen that in the past where he, he would need like a race, you know, like, oh, he's, he's human. He only won that one by like, you know, 10 yeah. seconds or something. And then it was like everything clicked and then off, you know, then he'd you know, snap off the next 20 in a row or whatever. So, boy, I don't know. Anything upbeat we can end this on? <laughs> Vout's uh, kid's cute. Vinny B needs a contract. There's that. Yeah, and he's doing he's doing he's well. Doing great. I love yeah. I love the I love the crowdsourcing. That's who the crowd, no crowds at these races is gonna hurt because we're not getting the give Vinny a contract signs out there. <laughs> so yeah. Get him signed up. Alright, what do we got? We got uh well by the time this comes out, what will have already happened? Hazencross. Hazencross. Okay. All right. We got our work cut out for us and next then, week. And then ball. And then ball. And then holst. And then her rentals. Wow, it's big win yeah. last year, so. I'm her excited. Rentals and then hold them. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us. It was great, great to have you back in the pit. Oh, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me, y'all. All right. We will uh, see you next time. And uh, hang in there, kid. Nothing? Nothing? The Slow Ride Podcast. Three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast. The titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Arrow Helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.